Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I discuss geocaching and my adventures with it. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of Geocache Adventures. I wanted to make a quick announcement before we get started on today's topic. So I am happy to announce that Geocache Adventures podcast made the top 10 list of the Feedspot Geocaching podcast to follow in 2020. So check that out. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, other couple of podcasts that were not on the list, which I thought were surprising because I really enjoy them, are the Where Is It Now podcast and Geocaching with Net88 and Friends. I enjoy both of those. If you want to check them out, I'll have links in the show notes to them. If you do check them out, I'd love to hear what you think about them. Another thing I'd like to mention is that you'll notice this podcast has more of the traditional format that the Geocache Adventures podcast has had up to this point, where it's me discussing a topic with you and not having a guest interview. Moving forward, I'm going to try to mix in the two so it won't be just guest interviews or just me talking to you. I'm going to try to mix it up, have them both in there so that we have some more content for more experienced cashers, but still have those episodes that are geared towards more helping beginners out as well. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. If you like one format more than the other, if you like the mix of the two formats, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Shoot me an email at geocache.adventures.podcast at gmail.com or check me out on social media Facebook at Geocache Adventures or on Instagram at Geocache underscore Adventures or go to geocacheadventures.org and visit the contact page. So today we are discussing DNFs, which stands for did not find. Nobody likes to log a DNF. Nobody wants to log a DNF. They're super frustrating. After all, the whole point of the game is to find the geocache. So it's not fun when you can't find it. Uh, when I first started geocaching, I, there were a couple that I couldn't find, but I didn't want to log the DNF. I didn't understand why they were important. I didn't understand the whole point of logging them. It just felt like I was telling the world that, hey, I cannot find this. But, you know, they really are helpful and they really do mean more than you just didn't find it. Uh, for instance, if a cache has multiple DNFs, it lets the cache owner know that, hey, I may need to go check on this. I may need to go do maintenance before I plan to do it. It might be missing. It might mean, you know, I didn't set the difficulty level high enough to let people know that this was really hard. It may tell other cachers that, hey, it hasn't been found for a while. You may not want to go look for it, which is especially important for beginners or people caching with kids. Because especially if you have a kid with you, it's no fun for them if they can't find it, if it's just not there. If the cache owner isn't checking on a cache and it has multiple DNFs, then it flags it for reviewers so that they can take a look and post on there that, hey, you need to go maintain your cache or we will archive it in set number of days if you don't go address this. I own a couple of caches. I have two caches that I've hidden. I got a DNF on my cat, one of my caches one day. This one cache in particular is basically a park and grab. It's a magnetic key box 
on a bench. It had been found consistently for a while and then it hit a DNF log. I went out later that day and checked on it and sure enough the cache was missing. Right away I temporarily disabled it until I was able to get a new magnetic key box and replace the cache. There was a second time where my cache got a DNF a couple months later and I went out to find it but it was actually still there that time. They just weren't able to locate it. I think they were looking at the different bench. There's a couple benches close by to that one. But it was good that they logged the DNF because it's always, there's, you know, it's at a park. People could, you know, you never know when some kid's gonna find it and walk off with it. So if I get a DNF on that one, I can go and I can check on it. There was a cache that I did not log a DNF on when I first started caching. It was like my second or third cache I was trying to find. And I just couldn't bring myself to log the DNF. And so I didn't. I didn't log anything. And I just watched it for a while. A couple weeks later, I started seeing DNF logs. After a couple of weeks of that, the cache owner disabled it, went out and checked on it, and sure enough, the thing was missing. So if I had logged my initial DNF, it would have started the cycle sooner. So when should you log a DNF? I have read some DNF logs on caches that basically said, it started raining and I gave up, or did not find because there were muggles standing nearby it and I couldn't go look for it. So to me, a DNF doesn't necessarily fit those situations because you didn't get to do a thorough search. So for me, I will log a note in those cases. So if it's the weather turned bad, if the kid's fussy and I can't search, if I don't have time to wait out muggles, I will just log it as a note and I will explain why I was not able to complete my search and why I'm not logging as DNF yet. Um, example of one that I wrote on a cache said foot traffic was surprisingly high for such a hot day. Wasn't able to find it, but didn't get a chance to search as much as I would have liked to because muggles were so close, not logging as a DNF just yet. So in my opinion, a DNF should be logged when you've had time to thoroughly search, you've looked everywhere, you've been there 20, 30 plus minutes, and you just can't find it. It just completely escapes you. It doesn't have to be 20, 30 minutes, however long it takes for you to feel like you have thoroughly searched the area and just cannot find it. Then I log a DNF. If I don't get to exhaust myself trying to find the cache, then I log a note. It just says, couldn't find it today. We'll be back another day. It's not required to log a note, but I like to log a note because one, it lets cache owners know that, hey, people are out there looking for it because sometimes you don't see activity on a cache for a while. So if they see a note posted two months in between findings, at least they know there's people looking for it. It also helps me remember, oh, you know, I didn't find this cache that day. Why didn't I find it? And I can go look that up and be like, okay, had the kiddo with me. He was not having a good day and we had to leave or whatever the reason was. That's why I like posting a note for things like that. Warning, this part of the show contains spoilers for the cache that is about to be discussed. The cache was called Wapu Bridge. Cache ID GC7RGAP. Difficulty rating 2, terrain rating 3. The description read, 
This cache is placed at Wapplehorst Park for the Hidden Creatures Souvenir Series. There is parking near the cache. Please watch out for muggles. Thanks. No hint provided. So the first time I went looking for this cache, I was solo caching. I didn't have the kiddo with me, so I was targeting caches that had slightly higher difficulty and terrain ratings. It was a mild day in February, and I went to Wapple Horse Park because it had a couple of caches that had the higher DNT ratings that I knew my son wasn't going to want to do. And so I started at the park, and I found the micro that was by the park entrance. I bushwhack to the solution of a mystery cache that I've had solved and was happy to find it and found the ammo can that was hidden there. And then I headed over to Wapple Bridge to try to find this cache. So when I got to the bridge and I pulled out the app, the GPS on my phone started bouncing all over the place. It was crazy. One moment it would show me on one side of the bridge, then all of a sudden it would bounce to the other side of the bridge. It kept changing. It did not like when you went down under the bridge to find this cache. It was down in a little hollow, a very heavy tree coverage. It may have even been an overcast day that day. I don't recall for sure, but the GPS was going nuts. It was really hard to try to pinpoint ground zero because it kept throwing me all over the place. So I kept looking there was no hint, no description of the container. It was a small is all I knew. It was listed as a small. So I just kind of had to guess at what the container might be based on the size. And a small is, you know, somewhere between, say, a film canister and the size of a softball. So I was thinking maybe it was a pill bottle or something like that hidden somewhere. So I was looking low to the ground and it was wet and muddy out because the snow that we had had a couple weeks prior had melted, leaving the ground a wet mess. I kept climbing the hill and going back down the hill and walking around trying to pinpoint ground zero, was having no luck. I finally gave up when I lost my footing and slid down the hill and only stopped short of the creek because I hit a tree and the tree stopped my slide. At that point, I decided to call it a day and I crawled my way back up the hill and I logged my DNF and I headed back to my car covered in mud, cold and damp at that point. <laughs> so I put it on my watch list and I started watching it. After a while, other cashers went out to find it and there were some other DNFs that started showing up. I started to think maybe the cache was missing. And it logged a handful of DNFs and all of a sudden, people started finding it again. And a couple people were adding notes to their logs that they thought the size was off and it should have been a micro and it was higher than they expected it. One cashier said it was staring them in the face the whole time. So after almost seven months from the time I logged my DNF, I finally got to go back out one day and it was another day to go solo caching. And I went out armed with this new information from these fine logs. And I went out and I targeted this one. And at this point I had a new handheld GPS, a new Garmin. So the, I didn't have as much problems with the bouncing. When I got there, 
too jeezy. There was still a little bit of drift happening, but not nearly as bad. It was kind of drifting around ground zero. I was able to pinpoint the ground zero location and I just started searching and I was trying to search higher up since the one cashier said it was looking him right in the face. I kind of try to keep around shoulder level that I was looking for and I was looking at the trees and looking through the brush and I think I walked past it three or four times before I finally turned just right and saw it and it was this little black bison tube zip tied to a small limb of some brush or a small tree and when I finally saw it, it was like, man, how did I walk past that so many times without noticing it? <laughs> and it was a little frustrating, but I did find it. And it was, it was so satisfying to find it and change that DNF log to a fine log and get my little smiley face about it. But I really did agree that the size needed to be changed to a micro because it was such a small bison too. And... I personally think either the difficulty rating needed to be increased or maybe a little more information about it added to the description. That was my personal feeling about it. Obviously the cash owner hit it the way they wanted to, but it definitely was a bit more difficult than it should have been because I walked out there with a preconceived notion of what I was looking for based on the size and the, the difficulty rating. And it just was not the correct notion. It just was not what was actually out there. But when I finally found it and got to turn that frowny face into a smiley face, there's a very satisfying feeling being able to change your, your DNF into a find, finally. Sometimes it takes a couple attempts. I've seen some logs where people have said, you know, it's their third or fourth or fifth try, and then they finally find it. So far, I have not had to look that many times. So far, I've been fortunate enough that I think twice is so far the most that I've had to go back out and looking for a cache. But that could change. I recently logged a DNF on a different cache that I, I like to place them on my watch list after I log a DNF so I can see if anybody else finds it or if the cache owner goes and does maintenance. So I logged a DNF on a different cache and about a week later, somebody else found it. So now I'm going to have to go back out there and try to find it again. And that one might take me two or three tries to go find it. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Make sure you check out the show notes at geocacheadventures.org. You'll find a link to the two podcasts I mentioned before, the Where Is It Now podcast and Geocaching with Net88 and Friends as well as the link to the Feedspot Top 10 Geocaching Podcast to follow in 2020. Before ending this episode, I wanted to share with you a story a listener sent in by email. Uh, the listener goes by the username Fartfist. Fartfist is a geocacher as well. One day, about three or four years back, I traveled to Virginia and trekked through the woods. In the vast unknown briars and thickets was an abandoned manhole sewer about 10 feet to the bottom of the trough. Thick swampy water glassed stagnantly in the depths of the stinking pit. However, abandoned rain had retained inside over unknown periods of time and festered with decay. 
No need for checking coordinates this time. After coming this far, I knew what I had to do. At the bottom was an ammo box filled with unknown loot and possibly a tracker. I welled up and summoned the courage to plunge into the deep, cold, vile waters and hastily kick up the box with my feet. I climbed out of the abyss with the fringed steel ammo container and searched its contents for the log and fabled trinket. I signed the log, fart fist, and inserted a gem of which I could not recall, something trivial evidently. I left wet and cold after dropping the trunk to the bottom of the sewer. No trackable. It had obviously been muggled. That is quite the adventure. Thank you, Fart Fist, for sharing that with us. There's been a couple geocaches I've gotten to as well that supposedly have a trackable in them, and they appeared that somebody has taken the trackable without logging it. Uh, I have not had the displeasure of diving in something such as you have to find out it was not there, but... <laughs> Yeah, that adds a, a new level, but it just shows how far geocachers are willing to go sometimes to find their loot. But Fartfist also has his own website. He has a lot of unique, one-of-a-kind artwork that he has generated himself. The description he provided says, Fartfist is a result of his environment and exists entirely for it. Most people waft their hands around waving the foul presence of evil about the air, compounding its effects so the room notices and panic ensues in the minds of human. Fart fist means to proverbially reach out, capturing it as a fist, and use it when feces exist, and no one can smell it. He is an icon of salvation from normality and an ally of immeasurable strength against those who sway the balance of nature. And I will have a link to his website in the show notes. If you guys check it out, let me know what you think. Uh, definitely some interesting artwork. I will say it is, his username is definitely on brand with his artwork. And also you'll find the link to the cache highlight. And there are a couple of articles talking about why you should be logging your DNF. So check that out. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Facebook page. Do you have a topic you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have a geocache adventure you would like to share for the cache highlight? Would you like to be a guest on the show? Reach out to me at geocache.adventures.podcast at gmail.com or on the contact page at geocacheadventures.org. You can also check out Geocache Adventures merchandise by visiting the store page at geocacheadventures.org. Thank you for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. <laughs>